Good morning. My name is Mark Buckner, and I've been in Boston for three years now. I think, uh, let me see, Alex, did we arrive near the same time? And my family before that lived in Indonesia for 10 years. I've been pursuing a dream of God's heart for his church for a little over 30 years. I'm almost 40 right now. A little older than that. And I am, right now, I'm, I'm a, one of the overseers in our movement. We have three churches connected to the Antioch movement here in New England. And I am uh, pastoring this church during the season, interim season. And I'm just delighted to see what God is doing in so many of our lives. And I'm kind of happy for him to do stuff in my life, too. I'm going to be talking for the next few weeks on who we are. And this is a season, hopefully, where you're going to tie in to some of our, our dreams, our desires. And for those of you who've been around a while, that it's going to encourage you and say, yes, I'm not just kind of living my life, going through the motions, trying to make money, changing diapers or going to classes, but I'm, I have a purpose. I'm a part of a larger thing that God is doing. And what, what he's doing in us, or what we have as a, as a tagline that we connect with, is, is loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus. So it's the great commission and the great commandment, to love him, to love each other, and to, to do that again with people that we meet in Boston. And a number of people were in Germany and Cambodia, different places, that we, it is, it is our joy Lord, to touch people and connect with other people at at a level of what's the most important thing in our life, and it's our relationship with Him. Today, I'm going to be telling more of a story or giving a picture. Uh, Next week, it'll be loving God, a focus on worship. The week after that, sharing life. We're going to be talking about our faith groups and community. And then after that, it's proclaiming Jesus. And Phil Masterson, an evangelist, is going to be sharing with us. Wave at us, Phil. There he is, that fuzzy guy back there. So, who are we? What are we doing here? Now, I, I started, I was a son and grandson of Southern Baptist ministers. I was in church before I was a twinkle in my grandmother's eye. So they'd say, way down south. But all of that experience in going to meetings... Even as a little baby, I was in revival meetings, which is like this week-long evangelistic outreaches, and I was sleeping on the floor. But all of that, as a guy named Keith Green one time said, uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, you know? (laughs) All of that soaking in this environment didn't transform my life. So I started off the college at uh, the young age of 17, and I started asking a lot of questions. What is this thing we're doing? Why are we doing this anyway? And uh, I wasn't really centered in my life in in God's Word. I, I wasn't pursuing Jesus. I was asking questions. Over the course of the next couple of years, and a much longer story, very intricate, of all the different roads that I went down and 
asking questions and kind of exploring. I came to a place where Jesus really did transform my life. I remember walking into a church service and someone saying, what happened to you? And I said, I don't know, but it's good. I'd, I had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. I uh, repented of a whole bunch of stuff. I'd, I was a very different person dramatically in a short period of time. And uh, I just started doing what I was told to do growing up, you know, and things that I remembered. Reading my Bible, I would start picking up hitchhikers, taking them home with me, introducing them to my parents, feeding them, you know, just uh, looking for ways to experience God's Word. I was a little bit out of control. My father said he prayed for me two years too long. But in the middle of all of that, I, I'm kind of showing up at church and I'm reading the Bible. And I said, I was going like, okay, I'm reading the book of Acts and angels are letting people out of jail. People that are lying to the Holy Spirit are dying. You know, uh, lame people are walking. All this crazy stuff's going on. And I'm going, book of Acts, church experience, book of Acts, church experience, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things is not quite the same. And we were with good people. And I, uh, this was a good church I was at. It was, there was a life that was there. But I would look at the Bible and say, I want that. How do I get in on that? And, uh, of course, I, the first thing I did was started judging people and seeing everything that they were doing wrong. And that didn't work very well. So I backed it up and I said, I think I want this. I want to move in this direction. And so I'm reading the book of Acts saying, this is so cool. How do we do this? And uh, reading things like Acts chapter 17, the sixth verse, they had quite a reputation. These New Testament people said they, uh, they were... Trying to put these guys in jail, Paul was, had kind of slipped out the back door. They couldn't find him. It says, but when they failed to find them, they dragged Jason and some brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. These, these, these were not like, oh, yeah, they got this cool thing going on. Oh, you'll like the worship. It was like, they've turned the world upside down. These guys are trouble. This is a problem. And I thought, I want to be a problem. I, w I want to turn the world upside down. I, am, I look at the world around me and I say, it's a crazy place. How do we get in on some of God's transforming power? So all of that experience in my life makes me deeply rooted that someone 19 years old, 20 years old, 25, can change the world. Since that time... Uh, got married, had four children, lived overseas, started campus ministries, planted churches in Muslim cultures, done a whole bunch of different stuff. And it's been the whole time saying, who are you, Jesus? And how do we live this life out together? The picture that I want to bring to you right now is Acts chapter 13. Now, I, I used to say, 
we, I want to be involved with a New Testament church. And then someone one time told me, which, which New Testament church? You want to be the Corinthian church? You know, you want to be Pergamum, Smyrna, Laodicea? And uh, in other words, this thing in me, well, I was sick, it was a New Testament church. I want to be the purest pure. I want to be the most excellent. We want to be the thing that's just like when they walk with Jesus. Actually, those people had a lot of problems too. But there, there are certain things we can see from each one of these individual churches. And the one that just lit me up early on was called Antioch. So, this was ancient Syria, modern-day Turkey. Placed down on the, on the southern coast of Turkey, Antioch. In Acts 13.1, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord with fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, that's pretty simple. Pretty tight little passage. But there's a lot here. Let me tell you what's going on here, all right? Just leave that up there. We've got, in Ephesians chapter 4, a picture of ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, there were prophetic people. They were hearing God's voice, speaking it out, holding a standard for holiness and purity. There were evangelists that were sticking their necks way out into the world. They weren't playing safe, and they loved people that were not religious. They loved people that were on the edge. And we had pastors that built community and went depth and made sure that people had the level of accountability and connection that brought real community. Many of these people, when they came to Jesus, they were saying goodbye to their families. It was not, yeah, this is a nice social place. It meant total sacrifice in their life. And then teachers, bringing balance, accuracy in God's word, a rootedness in truth. And then the apostles are the ones that relate to all the other gifts. They're like uh, the Swiss army knife in in the body of Christ. Just know how to do a lot of different things and starting new works, building teams and bringing that all together. That's the church at Antioch. All of these giftings flowing together and learning how to walk this out. So, that's, that's who we are. We're people that have multiple giftings, not only in these, these ministry giftings, but also the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We believe that there's more. There's more of God's, the release of his power, the function of his spirit. The church in Antioch was multicultural. It had uh, people from all, a lot of different countries and cities. Now, this was before we had modern transportation, okay? So if you were from an area, you'd spent your whole life there. You may not have gone 30 miles away from your home. And so all of your customs, language, uh, and so many things that express why, why we do what we are, who we are, what we do, 
something like that. Somebody correct my grammar. I'm confused. Why we do what we do, who we are, what we value. That's our culture. And because the Holy Spirit came in a powerful way uh, at, a, at a Jewish festival, Pentecost, people that had come in from many different places were there. They got saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And now all of these cultures started mixing. And that's who we are. This gospel is not for one culture. It's for every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. It's from all people to all people. And it's of every diverse socioeconomic group. We've got a friend of the king, Herod the Tetrarch. And then we have the poor. We see in Acts chapter 7 that that a lot of what the, the church was doing was serving widows, serving people that didn't have. And, uh, but there were also side by side with these people, people that had a lot and were giving it. The Antioch church was a missionary church. This whole story about Paul being recognized, I can imagine, Paul is not your passive guy. I can, I can imagine he was pitching his story out left and right. I just, you know, I think we need to go here. We've got to do this stuff. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit's been stirring up in my life. And everybody's going, calm down, Paul. It's all right, you know. You kind of get excited. You almost got yourself killed a couple of times, you know. Slow down. And he's, we're going to do this. No, no Barnabas is going to do it with me. And you could respect Barnabas. He's kind of mature and stable. He's been around here longer than me. And finally, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit said, go on, do it. That is the atmosphere. I mean, like, I, I just said, Lord, I want to be a part of a movement where the Holy Spirit comes in power and says, it's time. Do it. Go. It's the next thing. How many of you have dreams you've been sitting on? And you're just like stirring, and you're like, oh. Would you like the Holy Spirit to say, now, Go. That's what was happening in this church. So how do these things happen? How does this environment happen? You know, it's not because we are smart, because we have great ideas. It's because of the cross of Jesus. It's because we are weak, because we're humble, because we say, I am desperate. I need help. Ephesians 2, 14th verse, For he himself is our peace. May the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Now here Paul's speaking of the Jews and the Gentiles, of different religions. We're all, we can say he's breaking down the walls between male and female, between black and white, between socioeconomic groups, he's breaking these walls down so that we actually are living this life together and not alone. And that is what amazes people. You know, I, I think about different arguments that we may be having with the society as a whole. And I love to just turn to one of my brothers from another culture and say, I think it's time for you to answer the question. And because of what's happening, God is... L- giving authority and a new a voice to other people, other cultures that are emerging. And, and we can just stand back and bless that. 
Say, Lord, you are bringing more and more life and authority to a diverse church. Now, we're not actually the most diverse church, as I'm looking around right now. But we're not all here. I'm not saying we're not all there. We're not all here. Meaning we meet in multiple locations and we're starting churches in more locations. So in another part of the city, it could look different. It could be the majority and any congregation can shift from location to location, depending on the neighborhood that we're in. So we're diverse as a body, as a larger community. And we're able to do this because... We're able to see other people as important besides ourselves. It's not a, about people thinking we're the coolest thing that's going on, but it's about being able to see others as big, others as valuable, others as gifted. So, believe it or not, that stirred in my heart for like a decade. For all of the 80s, I was, uh, I was not watching television and listening to the latest music. You know, there's so many rock bands that are now doing their revival tours that I do not know the music of. Because I was completely given to a dream that Jesus is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. And his word is the truth that's true for everybody, everywhere. And that's the only reason I want to be alive, is to see some of these things happen. So, you know, we're not just talking about this stuff. We've actually done a few things. We uh, started a conference in 1988 called World Mandate and started calling other people, saying, who has a kindred spirit that wants to, to reach out to this generation wants to plant churches, and wants to send out missionaries. And uh, first, first World Mandate had 90 people. And uh, five different churches were represented in that. It's grown a little bit since then. Now it's going to be in about 12 different locations this next year, and uh, maybe seven, 8,000 people involved in it, in all those locations. And the heart of that was really trying to imagine what is the most intensity we can shove into a, a 24 or 30-hour period and, and talk about this dream of God's heart. As, as we see in this passage and as we're saying, we, we want to do this. We want to live this out. So what have we done since then? Sent out a, a good friend of mine and his family, Kurt and Karen Mailer, moved to a country called Afghanistan under the Taliban period in the 90s. Had children, raised their kids there. Another friend went, moved to Mongolia, Brett and Jackie Franzen. Some of y'all may have met them this summer. They started a church in Mongolia that is planting other churches. Another friend of mine, Chris and Rebecca, they, they moved to the, the West Bank during the Infantata. Infantata? Civil War in uh, uh, the West Bank reaching out to Palestinians. Before we planted a church, that's what we were doing. Because, I don't know, for some reason we, we thought, 
the whole mission thing was the coolest thing we could do. We're just excited about it. Let's go to other nations. Let's see this gospel go to all peoples. But then uh, Sean and Laura Richmond moved up to Boston, started a church right here. Actually, it may have been someone else. Where else first? So that was uh, in 99. Now there are 30 different churches around the country. We've had hundreds of missionaries sent out around the world, over 60 teams in around 30 different nations. And what's been happening is we've been growing. What I see is uh, our communities are, are like, uh, we live in Indonesia, so it's, I call it a seed bed. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this, so I'm going to say how much I can describe it. But whenever you're planting a rice field, you plant a really, really dense area of rice until it grows up just about that tall. And you kind of go, you're driving down the road and you look and think, that's interesting. You're like, why do you have this perfect little piece of lawn in the middle of this field? But, but what that highly nurtured, full of buffalo manure little place is the beginning of this huge field. So they take this dense little seedlings and they, they plant them like every foot all over acres and acres. And what, so what we are is a dense little place where all of these giftings are mixed around and all these dreams are coming together and, and worship is swirling around in a heart for anything that God wants to do. And in that, it's like a little seedbed of life where people can go on to maturity, to see who they are and what God's called them to, and move to San Antonio, move to Germany, move to Lowell, move to Malden, Jamaica Plains, New York, Indonesia, to, to be something that is alive, not because we all are not because of what we're not doing. Not because we've like we've got all these rules and you can't do this stuff, but because of all we are doing. We're we're saying, Lord, I want to do stuff. And I want to be with you. I want to be a part of a community where I can confess my sin. And I don't have to be worried that the person's gonna be shocked when they do that. They're like, Mark, you did this last week. Okay, go ahead. It's just a regular basis. I say, I'm sorry. And I, sometimes I say things that I'm really embarrassed about. But I want to be free. So I say, you know what? I'm asking Jesus to forgive me. Will you walk with me, John, in this? We get down and, and pray. I, want, I don't want to be the same. I'm not just trying to... to <laughs> it's not what I'm not doing. It's what we are doing. We're moving into a greater place of life. So how are we going about this? For, for CFCF, for this community, we really believe that every generation needs a new generation of churches. You go all over this town. There's a, in Dedham, there's a, a building, a really nice church building that uh, has a dance studio in it. And you can learn how to, to waltz and different things. There's others that have become bars. 
There's others that are libraries, others that are museums. Previous generations sacrificed and built communities. And those people and many of their churches have died. We need some more. Anybody? Got a sort of, maybe? You look around and say, we need more Jesus. We need more communities that are alive where more people are emerging and more people get to play, get to be walking this out together. So I, I think I'm preaching to the choir right now. Y'all sing pretty well. And many of you, it's like, yeah, I am. This life is short. Eternity's long. And I'm totally into this. I want it. So, where we step off into is training. This Ephesians chapter 4 passage I talked about, that means, I believe, gift people that are leaders are trainers and coaches. They're not performers. They're people that are helping other people <coughs> do the stuff. So, we do things like CFTS, a training school. It's a year-long intensive Pushes people to the edge and then over the edge in, uh, in discipline, in their spiritual disciplines, and in teaching and in ministry experience. That catalyst event is, happens on an annual basis and is releasing more and more strength. That seedbed is becoming denser and denser. <clears throat> discipleship is happening in our community. We're going to have another push and clarity on discipleship. I'll be explaining in a couple of weeks. But our desire is to, to walk together in deep trust and accountability in, in saying, where, where do you want to be in your walk with Jesus? Where, how do you want to live this out? And to do that in honest, vulnerable ways in very small group contexts. Discipleship. Residency program is starting this year. People that have done the training school want to step into another level of ministry, commit to a 20 hours plus a week. That every structure we can think of that can empower people and give them a focus to say, this is where, how I want to move forward in training. Everything that happens in faith groups, in, in teaching other people how to, how to pray for others, how to hear God's voice, how to, to really answer questions that are legitimate, that are a part of God's word. Theological, relational, cultural we believe this is for everybody. This is not just for a few people. And most of what happens in the church is what's going to be happening in your living room. It's going to be happening in different restaurants around town. It's happening uh, in hallways, in offices. This is hopefully our time together of worshiping Jesus is something that strengthens and empowers you to do what you're doing all week long. We are not about building big churches. I'm not against it. But really, what we're about is building big people. I want to see you mature and challenged in every way possible. So what? So what do we do? Anybody? Let me see. I'm thought of different ways to end this message. 
And because what I'm talking about is really, I, it's why I get out of bed in the morning. It's what I'm dreaming for my children. It's what I'm, it's, it's how I spend my money. It's, it's the commitments that I make in my life. It's the priorities that I have. It's to, to see an Antioch church emerge. And we haven't arrived, but we're not at zero. There's, there's some life. There's some momentum. There's some direction that's happening. And I, I just hope right now, I'm praying that Jesus is bringing more and more people that are saying, I am totally in. I, I, you know what? I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm totally in. I'm not asking you... <laughs> It's a very difficult thing. Let me explain to you. Once you've been in ministry a long time, you tend to like maybe anything you're doing, any place in life. We want people to like us. We want to be valued. And when I stand up here, I'm, I'm saying, Jesus, purify my heart. I'm not trying to rally people or impress people. I want them to be impressed with you, Jesus. I want them to be in love with you, Jesus. I want them to be in love with your word. How do I get out of the way and let you be the center of attention? And that's, that's what I'm asking right now. I want you to stand up on your feet as the worship team comes up here. And I... So, he, so here's the prayer. If you've been a part of this community for a while or if you've been walking with the Lord for a while and you've had some of these dreams and they have gotten cold, dried up on you a little bit, we need some fresh fire. We need the Holy Spirit to stir that up in our, in our lives. If you're here for the first time or you're really new to this Christian thing, you're saying, again, I'm, we're not asking for you to trust individuals. We're asking you to trust Jesus right now, for those of you who are new. Saying, I, I want what I see in the Bible. I want what I hear in the words of Jesus. I want these things. I want this thing. How, Lord, I give myself to you. So you want fresh fire or you're asking, you're kind of knocking, I want in. If that applies, either one of those applies to you. Just put your hand up and put it back down again. Amen. So we do this. We can close our eyes. Lord, here we are in, a, in, a, in our society. Lord, here you're looking at Boston, Massachusetts. We're about to begin a school year, and, and everything around us kind of revolves around that. Whether we're ready or not, here it comes. So many of our schedules ramping up, so many plans. And for those of us that may be saying, I'm tired just thinking about that. I feel like my tank's on empty. Holy Spirit, come and fill them right now. Lord, bring them in a place. It may mean that he's calling you to prayer and fasting. It may mean that it calls you to a place of cleansing and, 
and laying aside some things that have burdened you down. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Show them how to get their lives in order to prioritize so that your very best is what's happening and they're confident they're right in the middle of, of your will and your ways, Lord Jesus. So release the fire, Lord. Release the fire that burns up dead works. Release the fire that burns up selfish ambition, poor attitudes. Release the fire, Holy Spirit, that gives breakthrough and confusion and distraction. Holy Spirit, come in fire, I ask, in a way that that gives new fuel, new strength. For those that are standing and saying, I, I want in, we say welcome. Lord, show them the, the people that they can risk with. Make it alive, Lord. I, I ask for a hunger for your word that is unquenchable. I just love this. I want more of this. We give our lives to you, Lord. I just, I, I, I say, Lord, more. I want more. I need, need you to work deeper in my character, Lord. And it's not just so that we can run and jump and push and sing or have intense activities, Lord. We ask that our, we would know you more. I want to know you deeper, more intimately, Lord. Worship team's going to lead us in a song.